0: Well, good morning church family Well, uh, we'll try again good morning. good morning that is better it is good to be here uh welcome to real hope community church welcome to you and welcome to those who are continuing to stream online but uh i'm pastor craig and we are glad to be together although like i said earlier i prefer the beach for several reasons, uh, but it's good to be back together in this space and we're here to worship this morning. I want to direct your attention toward a couple announcements, a few general ones first. Um, if you need a Bible anytime and you don't have one, especially the translation we use in the ESV, they're backed by the sound booth, you can find those. Uh, second thing is there are connection cards at the info desk and at that uh, offering box out there that you can fill out praises, prayer requests, And also, uh, if you're new here and want to connect or have questions about ministry, you can do that. You can also do that via text. It's written in the bulletin. And then our giving, we don't pass a plate during our time together in worship. But it is a way that we worship through our offerings and tithes. And so you can uh, place those in the offering box in the commons. Those connection cards can go in there as well. Um, I want to point your attention towards the bulletin. should have got one. There's a couple uh, announcements that I would just highlight Uh, two inserts. There is a blood drive tomorrow here uh, because a lot of people have asked it is not a blood giving drive that you can get an antibody test. So uh, don't think that way coming for that reason, but still give your blood, all right? Because you're generous, especially we're going to be in 2 Corinthians looking at that next week. That's part of generosity, right? You just make new blood. It's a really good thing. Um, And the second thing is there's this green insert we are privileged to host the Votes, our missionaries from Chad Africa, this week. And there's a couple uh, interaction opportunities for our church family. Uh, one is on Wednesday night at the North Boat Launch, where you can meet them. They'll be here Sunday, and then we'll have a fellowship lunch with them. But as you can imagine, coming back from overseas, uh, they would probably like to be around people in a Christian community. So make it a point to, to make one of those events and just welcome them. And then you can find ways on that green insert. Of ways that you can partner with them or support them through meals or gifts, um, but then he'll be sharing some time on Sunday with us. Um, there's also a youth fusion event this Wednesday, so if you have a middle schooler or high schooler, and then finally, they were moving dirt out there this week. So yeah, praise God. Actually, it was kind of funny because it got to the point where <laughs> the thing was so delayed, I actually forgot we were doing it. So they showed up with all this stuff and like knock on the door like, uh, what are you guys doing here? I thought we'd move some dirt and build an addition. So that's what they're doing. And uh, as we've continued to fundraise, I would just say continue to be generous. If you want to give towards that need, you can give towards the expand the kingdom need uh, and give those gifts as well, either online or in the box. So why don't we stand together? We are here to praise God for his goodness and love in our lives. And we're going to be called to worship now through his word, and we'll sing together.
1: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to singing with all of you as we worship God together. Today, God calls us to worship from Micah seven eighteen through 19. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, these words are good news for us. We praise you that you are a God who is willing to cast our sins into the depths of the sea when we come to you in repentance. Today we lift our voices and we worship you with songs that celebrate your love, your grace, and your forgiveness toward us sinners. We honor you and we lift you high. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
2: here
3: is from the first chapter of Proverbs which is in three sections the first section is called the beginning of knowledge the second is the enticement of sinners and the one that i'm going to read is the call of wisdom verse 20 wisdom cries aloud in the street In the market, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. The entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, how long will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refused to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without bread of disaster let's pray Lord God as always your word is wonderful it is our food it is our manual for day-to-day living but God we don't like it often we don't like the hard bits and again your word says discipline seems hard Well, that's an understatement, Lord. It's horrible. But we deserve it, and we need it. And I pray today that you will forgive us for all the times we have turned away, or we have decided that maybe we know a bit better. Forgive us, Lord. Cause us to turn to you willingly, gladly, with open hearts and open ears, so that we may dwell in safety and dread no disaster. Because, Lord, we know your word is true. Every word is for our teaching, our correction. We know it's what you gave to us. Help us to pay attention to it, Lord. All your promises are true. All your prophecies have either come true or will be coming true quite soon. God, we love you, and we want to walk closely in safety and security with you. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
1: Sing one more song together. Wounds have brought about our salvation, and we are blessed beyond measure to be yours, to be free of our sin, to have a hope that never fades. Thank you for rescuing us when we were lost in sin, completely undeserving of your grace. May we never forget all that you have done for us. We offer our lives to you in worship. In Jesus' name, Amen. You can be seated.
4: Good morning. This is the time in our service where we'd like to take a few minutes to uh, consider a work that God is doing in his kingdom to continue to bring his kingdom to earth. Uh, It could be a work here locally or a testimony among us or um, something internationally as we seek to be a part of uh, helping his kingdom to be established among the nations. And a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to catch up with Jeff and, well, just Jeff Barrett, Jeff and Meredith Barrett and their three children serve as missionaries in Albania that we partner with through prayer and through giving and and other ways that we can support them. And so I'd like to just um, share with us a a video interview I did with them a few weeks ago, and then uh, we will pray afterwards. So um, please go ahead and turn your attention towards the video screens, and uh, we'll pray in just a few moments. Well, this is the time in our service where we normally um, take a kingdom moment to focus on the kingdom of god and how he's working um, locally or around the world and today we're here visiting with jeff barrett and he is uh, serving in albania with his wife meredith and their three children so i wanted to just take a few moments to to hear from him kind of get a brief update and then for us to uh, to pray for their family and for the ministry that they're doing in Albania um, at the end. So um, Jeff, first, I would just ask you um, to give us an update about how things have been over the past few months with COVID there and uh, kind of what things are like now.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, Real Hope, it's it's a pleasure to be able to communicate with you guys in this way. Uh, we thank you guys for your interest and your love and your support of our ministry here. Uh, Covid in Albania, I would uh, say, was radical in and radical out. Um, everything was locked down very, very tightly um, for a good two, two and a half months. We couldn't use our car. We couldn't leave our house except for very defined periods of time and only to go shopping or go to uh, to the hospital. Um, so just like you guys, it was it was quite confining um, and that impacted the, the, our local church here rather significantly. Just like you guys, we had to pivot to uh, online services. The Lord worked through that, I would say, in in a pr- pretty powerful way. I think we actually grew closer together. Um, this church that we're a part of here is a small church of about 20 to 25, which is about an average-sized church here in Albania. And it's a neighborhood church, so we all live in the neighborhood. And so, Connecting online, actually, uh, we probably connected through Zoom or, or, or WhatsApp probably on a daily basis, and I think people really needed that, that, that physical, uh, that, that, the personal connection, even though it wasn't physical.
4: Great. Well, I'm sure it's been a unique season for your family as well. Can you give us more of a personal update just on, on you guys, how you're doing, maybe some, some challenges of recent, um, and then maybe some, some praises as well just for your family? Sure. Uh,
5: praises, I mean, we're, we're, we're healthy. Um, th- that's definitely a praise. Um, and uh, we are generally happy. We're, we're all getting along. And this has been a good time, I think, for us to connect as a family. Uh, don't feel like we're being pulled in all these different directions. I'm, I'm sure many of you can relate. At the same time, it can be stressful to be kind of more homebound. Uh, schooling, from home, which uh, was was a shift. Um, I think one of the challenges has been that um, this coming August will be four years since we left Wisconsin to head to Albania, and except for a short two-week visit last summer, we haven't been back to the States, and, and our intention was to return back, back to the States for an eight-month period. Uh, and so the, the, the intention was to head back this past May and stay through uh, Christmas, and so we, we've had to push that into the future, uh, just because of, of the COVID situation and, and a desire to really be able to connect in a significant way with those we love in the states, and uh, realizing that we really won't be able to do that now. Um, so that's definitely been a challenge. I think the other challenge uh, has just been that the whole country shut down, and there for for uh, really until yesterday, they, they, there was really no way to leave the country. And so there was some concern if there was a medical issue that would arise, how would we be able to, uh, you know, get that taken care of? But the Lord was was faithful, and He definitely opened ministry doors uh, through this whole
4: situation. That's great. And yeah, tell us a little bit about ministry of late. Um, what are some some praises and challenges that you've seen in ministry um, in the past few months?
5: Yeah, I, I'd say uh, the. One of the the big things that uh, the impacts of, of COVID ha- has been the economic impact. Um, Albania has always been on very uh, unsteady footing economically. And um, there was a big earthquake, a 6.4 earthquake that hit in November. And then combined with COVID has really ravaged the country economically. And so in our neighborhood, one of the things that we did um, was to start a, a basically a food drive. And so we, we, we provide food to about 20 families in the neighborhood um, every other week. And so basically the, the staples. And that's really opened a lot of doors for the gospel. Um, there uh, about seven of those, of those families have started coming to church. I don't, we don't know if they're doing it out of a sense of obligation, or if they're doing it because they're, they're really uh, curious. But the bottom line is the gospel is being preached. And so, praise God for that. Um, that's been a huge ministry opportunity that's that's resulted from this. Um, so it's it's been exciting to see.
4: Yeah, great. Thanks for telling us more about that. And what are other ways that we can pray specifically for you guys and for the ministry in Albania right now? Uh,
5: the 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 founding pastor of this of this church that we're involved in and that we serve at. Um, he immigrated to, to Canada in, in March, right before uh, COVID. It was a surprising development. Uh, it underlines, under, underscores some of the major issues facing Albania. Uh, about 70% of the country uh, uh, is desiring to leave, uh, about 50% have made active plans to leave. Um, immigration is is ravaging albania and the 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 church is not exempt uh so we were able to raise up someone from within the church who's now transitioned into a kind of full-time ministry and full-time pastoral role so definitely keep that transition in your prayers Uh, the new pastor's name is marcel uh he was a journalist he he quit that career to to shepherd the small flock and uh Right now, Marcel and I are the the two elders. He's full-time pastor. So that would be my biggest prayer request for you um, as a church, as a local faith family in Lake Mills, to be praying for this local faith family in in Tirana, Albania, um, to me is is a powerful testimony of the fact that we're we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, um, and we will definitely... Meredith and I and our kids definitely pray for uh, for you guys in Lake Mills for, for real help.
4: Thanks, Jeff. I'm sure that is interesting and, and difficult in terms of that uh, transition in your church with the, the pastoral um, oversight, but uh, we'll be definitely praying for that and praying for you guys in general, according to what you've shared and the things that you've mentioned. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to connect with us. We're thankful to be partners with you in the gospel and in prayer and giving. And I'm so thankful for your, your ministry and your faithfulness there. And we pray in tune just that you can come back here and visit and the Lord's timing will be uh, looking forward to seeing you whenever that might be and, and trust that um, the Lord will guide you with wisdom in terms of when you should come back to the States for a furlough. So thank you for taking the time with us today.
5: Absolutely. Thanks, Russell. Thanks, Real Hope. And we do appreciate this gospel partnership.
4: Yeah, thanks. We'll see
5: you. Okay, take care, guys.
4: All right, great. Let's take a minute now to pray for um, Jeff and Meredith and their ministry and their kids as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are the sovereign king, and as king, you have begun to establish and are continuing to establish your kingdom, Lord, and we are thankful for that. We're thankful for your rule and your reign, and the the good news of this rule and reign is going out to all nations, Lord, and we're thankful to to be a part of that, Lord. Help us to be more a part of that, Lord. Help our affections to be um, just for your rule and for your rule among all peoples, and Lord, we pray especially this morning for for Jeff and Meredith and their children, for Jude, Liam, and Olivia. Lord, we ask that you just continue to give them patience with COVID as they um, had planned to even be back in the States uh, for a furlough during this time, but i have had that pushed out. Lord, um, we pray that you just give them patience. So you continue to just um, unite and strengthen their family. Lord, we thank you for their local church, and we ask that you would strengthen it during this time. We Thank you for your faithfulness during the time of quarantine, that they're able even to grow closer together in some ways. And we pray especially for uh, Marcel, this um, new pastor, Lord, that you would protect him from the evil one. Lord, that you would help him to hold fast to you and to be fed by your word, Lord. And um, that you would just give him just uh, extra measures of your grace and your spirit to lead and shepherd the flock well there and we pray for um, these families that they've had connection with through the food drive lord we ask that it wouldn't be simply obligation that they would be attending but that they would have interest in the good news of the gospel lord and and become worshipers of you lord we pray for the economic situation in albania lord Um, forgive us for how often our minds are focused here lord but we know that um, most places in the world have it far worse than we do and far they've been impacted in far greater ways than we have and so we ask that you would just extend your mercy to the people of albania that you would use this um, use this time to um, draw them to you lord Um, help them understand your provision in christ for all of our needs Um, we thank you for who you are lord and we ask again that you would help us to increasingly become kingdom-minded people for your glory we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Well, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open them up to 2 Corinthians. That's where we'll find ourselves. It is, uh, it's is—it's good to see Jeff, uh, his face on that video call. Jeff and Meredith were part of our home Bible study for several years. They were part of Real Hope uh, uh, from probably like 2006 to eight or somewhere in there, but it's good to to see them and their ministry and uh, the neat things that are happening there in Albania. Uh, We are continuing through 2 Corinthians, uh, picking up from going through 1 Corinthians before in this series called Counterculture, and I would argue that uh, that is no less true today with uh, the the theme of uh, what we'll talk about this this morning of uh, receiving, giving and receiving reproof or correction and how important that is in the life of the church. Uh, but it, I will go back and say it was wonderful to be together last Sunday at the beach and to hear the testimony, 11 baptisms of God's faithfulness. And I bring that up because there was one theme that drew throughout is that the the salvation, of course, is, but the individual repentance for each person knowing they needed to turn from sin and look to Christ for forgiveness and salvation. And is that humility and repentance that kind of runs through this text this morning. And I will say, too, this is a challenging text, uh, kind of hard to follow. Um, Certainly challenging to us, maybe hard to receive, as uh, we are not people that often uh, like reproof and all those R words in the scriptures. So um, with that, uh, we're going to read from verse 2 to 16. But before we do, if you're new here to Real Hope, this is an affirmation, we say, about what we believe about God's word and the Spirit, that it would illuminate our hearts. If we believe it, let's say it together. Our pursuit is, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to be a biblically functioning community. We will embrace it as truth, no matter how painful it is to our souls or how countercultural it is to our souls. To follow the King. Like I said, I'm going to read verses 2 through the rest of the chapter in verse 16. Kind of a landing spot. Verses 8 through 10 will be the emphasis for this morning. This is Paul writing here in the letter saying, Make room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have taken advantage of no one. I do not say this to condemn you. For I said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. I am acting with great boldness towards you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with comfort in all our affliction. I am overflowing with joy. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a little while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance That leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have proved yourselves innocent in the matter. So although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the one who did the wrong, nor for the sake of the one who suffered the wrong, but in order that your earnestness for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. Therefore, we are comforted. And besides our own comfort, we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. For whatever boast I made to him about you, I was not put to shame. But just as everything we said to you was true, so also our boasting before Titus has proved true. And his affection for you is even greater as he remembers the obedience of you all. How you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice because I have perfect confidence in you. Well, this is a long, windy text, and we'll try to make some sense of it by God's grace. And uh, I'll ask that you pray, and God would speak to your heart individually, and I'll pray for us collectively and corporately as we come to God's word this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Ask that it would change us. Sometimes your word is very comforting to us. Sometimes it's challenging to our souls, some things we don't like to hear. And Father, I pray that we would heed it and we would learn from it and ultimately be pointed towards Christ in it for your glory. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. For weeks past, I've started with a question to ask and I would start again. With this one, when is the last time, if you think about that, that somebody called you out for something you did or something you did wrong? Think about that. When is the last time somebody approached you and called you out for whether it be a sin area in your life, a particular attitude? And what I want you to think about is how they handled it and how you received it. We are often people that do not like to be called out, and that is challenging for us. I think I've shared this story before, but when I was young in ministry in Darlington as a youth pastor, I, uh, one of the uh, elders there had asked to meet with me and um, we met together and he began to share some attitudes that he saw present in my life and, and I didn't like to hear it. I didn't want to hear it. I was defensive about it and as I listened to him, I was, I was angry and like, who are you to say that? And down the line, as I'm sure all of you can relate to, But it wasn't until years later I realized the importance of what he did there, the truth of what he did there, and it wasn't until much later I saw the love and care in which he demonstrated when he did that and why he did that. I can tell you I didn't feel lovey feelings at the time, but down the road, in hindsight, I realized a great lesson of importance is that I had to be willing to receive that kind of reproof in my life And and then in future ministry, had to be willing to give it too in love. You see, we are a culture that largely struggles with, and I know you'll relate to this, accountability. We don't like it in culture. People don't want to be held accountable. That has transmitted itself to the church where accountability is kind of like a really bad thing amongst people. We don't like to practice it often. We don't like to receive it. We don't like to look for it. We do not like people to challenge us or call us out on things. But I would say we need it. And the church desperately needs it in Christian community. Why? Because it reminds us of our own sinfulness. It reminds us of our need for a Savior. It reminds us of the beauty of the gospel in repentance. When one turns away, and that's why I shared those baptism testimonies were powerful for so many reasons of life transformation, but because individuals recognize the sinfulness and a need for Jesus. The only one who could redeem and that gospel on display is beautiful and forgiveness and salvation and it's woven through this text as paul is aiming the church at that kind of attitude in the gospel but see you and i don't like it we don't like when people tell us what's wrong and why we don't like to be wrong show of hands how many people like to be wrong in here you won't even put your hands up because you might be wrong in your answer But we don't like to be wrong, but we especially don't like when other people tell us we're wrong. And you know, in our culture right now, that is at an all-time high, hot-button issue. But I hope that this morning we see, and this is the theme of the message, the point, is that refusing reproof is what is regrettable. Refusing reproof, to receive it, is and ought to be regrettable. Before I go any further, what is reproof? Some of you might well, I don't know if I fully understand that word. Most synonymous with rebuke, it means to show fault or bring about, a convince someone of, if you will, a sin area and reprove them. So find that fault and correction is different in the fact of leading them back in the way. But this is specifically of pointing a flaw or fault out. And we need that as we have many. And Paul has been doing that in the letter. That's why he wrote the first one of the church, a sin uh, culture had developed in the church and a license to tolerate anything, and he had rebuked them through that letter. And his relationship with the church through that shows the effects now in chapter 7 of the effects of that rebuke. But there was actually three letters to the church in Corinth, and Paul is referencing the one that grieved them the most, the one that was a loss. This is actually the second Corinthians. It was a third one, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But this is Paul's relationship with the church in Corinth strained because he challenged them as a body to honor Christ and live more holy lives. And we've talked about this for weeks. Paul's relationship with the church for that reason was strained. His apostleship was called into question, his authority. People in the church had swayed, if you will, loyalty away from him. And so that relationship was tenuous at times. And he was often discouraged. And he was hurt and fearful of how letter would be received, which Titus was supposed to bring the response back. And there was a lot of tension there. But I point us back to Proverbs again, chapter 26, verse 6, and I like the NASB translation of this. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. The word that Paul was giving them could be trusted, as it is for us when we have people around us close in proximity and love and care for us. When they speak hard things, as Paul was speaking, They can be trusted because it's born out of love and care. It's those tickling of the ears, kisses from the enemy that we like to hear. And we like to hear soft things that are fluffy and build us up and happy. We don't like to hear the bad things. Those are the ones that are dangerous. And so we see that right away in the text, Paul's love and care. In verses 2 through 4, he was a pastor. He loved the church. He loved the saints. Which is why he starts that way. Make room in your hearts for us. And he's kind of defending his case here. But we've wronged no one. We've corrupted no one. We've taken advantage of. And I do not say this to condemn you. For I said before, you are in our hearts. Listen to this. To die together and to live together. Paul's love was for them. To do life in the good and bad. And he says in verse 4, I'm acting with great boldness towards you. Of course he was. But he also had great pride in them filled with comfort and even an affliction overflowing with joy. And I start there because that was Paul's attitude for the church. He could say hard things, but it was done in love and care to live and die. It wasn't just about the good time. And Paul is also reminding them, and the reason he has such passion in these letters for this correction to be received, as an apostle to reject him and he Believe this, and we ought to look at it this way too. As they rejected him, in many ways they rejected Christ. As Jesus on the road to Damascus had appointed him to go forth with authority. And that was where his apostleship came from. So for them to reject his advice and not heed it was to reject Christ and his word in itself. And so Paul with great care goes to the church in Corinth. And in this next section, he writes about comfort that he found And that's kind of a setup and a side point of where I want to land in verses 8 through 10. Let me read those again. He says, for even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. There was constant affliction there at every turn, fighting without and fear within. There was so much turmoil in ministry. He says, but God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus when he finally arrived. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he had comforted you. He had told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal. For me, so that I rejoiced all the more. Paul in ministry was challenged by many things. And he was no stranger. And if you are participating in gospel ministry and discipleship and relationships, you understand at times it can be discouraging and it takes an emotional toll. And Paul points us to, and this is important, that's why I say set up an aside point. When we go and receive or offer rebuke or reproof to somebody, we need to be encouraged. And it was God who brought Him comfort through all of it. It was God that brought him comfort by way of himself being close. And I can relate to discouragement in 20 years, and Paul drew comfort from two sources. One, a friend, Titus in ministry, was a loyal partner in the gospel, and he was waiting, waiting, waiting. They would likely have met together in the church of Philippi as a landing spot for the response from the Corinthian church. And he was to bring that letter back to Paul. And Paul was waiting, wondering, will he ever show up? And there's so much tension there. But eventually he does and brings the message that Paul had so longed for, that, that the church in Corinth had come back to faith, turned away and received that message humbly. The second source of Paul's comfort, which was their repentance, because Paul had longed for that. Which is why in verses 8-10, through 10, what we're going to jump into here, he felt like he grieved them through this letter. Because there is a good kind of regret. We would normally think of regret as bad. And that good regret is the godly sorrow that leads to repentance and salvation. Look at verses 8-10. through 10. Paul says this as he, as he knows how their feelings are about this letter. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, the letter would have been heavy and sad, if you will, and hard things were said. I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation with regret, without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death, and that's what I want to see again this morning. That refusing that reproof is what is regrettable. Now Paul uses a play on words with that regret. In this this section here, and you read it and you go, Well, that's kind of confusing. He doesn't regret it, but then he does regret it. Paul knew he had to give hard truth to the, the church, and he knew they would receive it like I received it way back when. And it was hard to hear, and it was hard to receive correction, and it was hard to hear that you failed and wandered. And sometimes we get so defensive about that. And Paul says, Well, I actually did though, because I didn't want to hurt you. He loved the church. And he sees that it does grieve them, that it took the emotional toll, but then he turns back. But it was necessary. He rejoiced in that, that they were grieved, but not because they were just sad to get the letter, but because it actually brought change. As you and I should look into lives of other people that come and speak truth to us because they love and care for us. It's because They want to see change for the glory of God. And Paul is wrestling through that, his harshness of the sin being called out and it challenged and it hurt for a while, but they felt that godly grief that led them to repentance of salvation without regret. Much different than the world. When the world does it, it only produces death. And I want to work just briefly through three points this morning And the first one being this, that godly reproof and repentance is necessary. You might say, well, what does it have to do in my world? I could just read the Bible and go on. It's necessary, as Fiona even prayed earlier as she read the scripture, that we need discipline in our lives. And we need it within the context of the body of Christ as well. If you are growing in Christ, reproof is going to be necessary. You are going to lose your way at times. It's the way of a disciple. And think back, Through all the gospels you read about Jesus as he's leading and growing and teaching the 12. He is constantly calling them out on behaviors that aren't righteous and pointing them back to what is honorable and holy and true. I think most notably of James and John, the sons of thunder, right? We call down heaven, fire from heaven and just smote the whole city. Can we do that? Jesus is like, ah, in good time. Constantly. Teaching them, correcting them, doing things in love. I think of, we know uh, the, the text in, uh, where he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. How often have you said that to your brother or sister in Christ? I don't recommend it, by the way. <laughs> the context was different for that, but the attitude was present. Peter was not thinking of kingdom important things. He was tempting Jesus towards other things in that, essentially, and taking his eyes off, and he corrected him for it. Said a harsh thing, but Peter knew the love of the Lord and he knew where it came from. If you're going to grow in Christ, you have to have it because we have blind spots. We're sinful people. We have planks in our eyes that want to pull specks out of other people's eyes. And that is true of all of us. We are prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. We sing about that. We need other people to bring reproof into our lives. That's why we read from Proverbs 1 earlier and I'll just flip back there and highlight a couple of those verses about speaking of wisdom and listening to God which is a great emphasis on the call of wisdom, God's word. It says, if you turn in verse 23 at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you and I'll make my words known to you if we would receive reproof. For the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. That would be somebody who doesn't want The Lord's reproof, but whoever listens to me will dwell secure, and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Paul writes that the godly uh, grief rather produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. What he was saying there was not about salvation one time in Christ, but about the consequences of sin and being saved from that when we walk down paths that are unrighteous. When people speak reproof, they're trying to bring us back towards the way of security and salvation in Christ. It's necessary. And it stresses here the great necessity on the emphasis and importance of God's word. 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 by the Spirit, Fiona already referenced that in our time of worship together. It says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for what? Teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that every man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. In other words, the Word of God is good for teaching, and you'd say, of course it is. But it's good for reproof when it convicts us of our own sin areas. It's good when brothers and sisters come to us, revealing truth from the wisdom of God's Word, to correct us and then train us in righteousness so that we would desire righteousness to be competent for every good work. And we simply do not develop a repentant lifestyle and one that is willing to receive reproof If you are not in and under the Word of God, it just won't happen. And so I would say at times when we've received reproof and correction and we become defensive and angry, it is often because we are not in and under the Word of God. Because if we were heeding God's wisdom and seeking it all the time, it would make sense to us that our hearts are pretty dark and stained with sin as we are closer to God's holiness and righteousness. Does it make sense? you're out of god's word if you're not looking for god's wisdom of course when other people come to you and and want to challenge you or say hard things of course you would receive that with defensiveness but when we're in the word it humbles us because we meet a holy god there and the perfection of jesus christ and it is a serious mistake to underestimate the impact of the word of god on those who hear and read it and understand it which is why we emphasize it so deeply here because when you're in it, when you're in the pages of book, this book, this book on a daily basis, it does something in your heart. And if we want to be wise, we need to heed God's word and we also need to heed it from brothers and sisters, which is my second point. Godly re- repentance produces earnestness in the body of Christ. It does something in the church. When a culture is developed of reproof in a loving and word-filled way in the church, it does something. This is seen in verses 11 and 12. As Paul writes about the godly grief that has produced repentance in the church, he says, For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point, you have proved yourselves innocent in the matter. So although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the one who did the wrong, not for the sake of the one who suffered the wrong, but in order that you that your earnestness for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. You see what Paul did there? He said, this hard thing that grieved you for a short while was necessary because it produced something more long-lasting. And he even went on to say in verse 12, I wrote you. It was not actually for the sake of the one who suffered the wrong. Remember the man in 1 Corinthians 5 who was living in immorality. And then the correction for the one who wronged against it wasn't even for them, but it was for the entire church in order that your earnestness might, for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. It produced something of deep character when they were corrected. And in the church, the culture changed when they were willing to hear hard things within and repent and be of godly sorrow. And churches that practice reproof within discipleship communities who are willing to give it and receive it, they grow deep together. Why? Because there is a greater bond and fellowship of trust in the gospel built. Think about it. Churches that don't practice this and don't call out sin and don't challenge brothers and sisters, it's just surface level superficiality in relationships. I don't want to say a hard thing. They might get really upset. They might get offended. They might leave. But this is, this is why we need to do it. It produces. It produces earnestness. Why? Because truth rises up to the surface. Aimed at Christ in the center of the gospel and hearts are changed and transformed. Not because of us, but because of God's grace. Because of the godly sorrow that's produced when you meet a holy God and realize you are a wretched sinner. And Paul lists all the wonderful things that happen in the body. I'll briefly just move through four of them. Earnestness, that sincerity of heart deepening, a longing, it says, a desire for righteousness is what that is, a zeal, an enthusiasm for doing right. Once you realize where you have been wrong, they wanted to do right things, live in righteousness. And the fear, a renewed reverence for God was built in them and born in them because Paul challenged them in their sinfulness. And when that happens within the body of Christ, it's hard but it deepens our fellowship together and there are things to be celebrated that list also evidences someone that has truly repented if you want to know if somebody's really repented which paul wanted to know somebody will display those characteristics and sometimes we challenge people and they say what they say like the sibling who punches their brother or sister and the mom and dad and we know this right apologize <sighs> i'm sorry That's what we see, right? In our own, that's the kid example of adults that do that all the time. I'm so sorry I did that. What do we want to see from them? Change. We want to see earnestness. We want to see zeal. We want to see a longing to do right things. We want to see a healthy fear of God and that's what Paul was driving at. And so that change was drawn about by the power of Christ and the authority of God's word and them heeding it And when it happens in the church community, it's a thing to be celebrated. It's producing something. Which leads me to my third point. Godly repentance produces joy in the church. Look at verses 13 through 16. Paul says, therefore, we are comforted. He had been overjoyed that they had repented of the sin area. And besides our own comfort, we also rejoice still more at the joy of Titus because his spirit had been refreshed by you all. For whatever boasts I made to him about you, I was not put to shame. But just as everything we said to you was true, so also our boasting before Titus has proved true. And his affection for you is even greater as he remembers the obedience of you all, how you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice because I have perfect confidence in you. Let me read verse 15 again in the context of knowing how bad the Corinthian church was. And his affection for you is greater as he remembers the obedience of you all how you received him with fear and trembling that's the church in first corinthians that letter that is in disarray because of sin and just doing whatever they want and we can do whatever we want and this is what paul is writing to them later your affection for titus he remembers your obedience they had turned back towards christ and received the reproof and correction they had received and been challenged by paul to receive the brother back into the fellowship who had sinned and was truly repentant. And now Paul is rejoicing because of that change he's seen. He has boasted about them as if he told Titus all of these things. This church, yeah, they've got issues. They're all sinful people, but they're they're saints. They're people of God's family. And his boasts become true and validated as he boasted of their obedience in Christ. And that starts to make all, all sense in the world when you understand these letters in Paul's criticisms and rebukes and reproofs. He loved the church and wanted to see it flourish as we ought to love brothers and sisters. And you wouldn't think that calling people out in sin area would produce joy, right? That doesn't make sense. You would think it would do what it does in our world. It would cause division. But friends, that is exactly why, exactly why the church and its love for God and one another is unique in the world. Because when the church speaks truth to one another one believer to another out of love and reproof and correction when that happens it doesn't create division or it ought not sometimes it does because of sinfulness it ought to create joy and love and that's what sets us apart in our uniqueness because when we have gospel thinkers and we get over ourselves we start to understand that we might just maybe be the problem And we desire spiritual things. We desire transformation. We seek to serve a high king instead of ourselves. And in many ways, that's how I feel about this church. As Paul felt, I rejoice because I have perfect confidence. His confidence was one in which he saw a gospel community that was working through things, yes, but being transformed by the word. And in this case, through reproof and correction. When we continue on in the gospel, that we would do well to do that. And that's what Paul saw in the church. And so, what does that have to do with you? Sure, I'm glad you asked. And this is tough stuff in the church, and it's important stuff, but by way of application, I would give you two things and then two tips. And the first is this, and I'll start with maybe the harder one that I see so many shy away from that you have to be willing to give reproof when necessary. That if you're going to belong to a discipleship community, you have to be willing to give reproof to a brother or sister in Christ. And most of us, depending on your conflict style, are highly evasive people. That scares us to even think, well, how could I be a part of a community and have to share truth with someone? I don't want to offend anybody. I think we've learned from this letter, Paul didn't want to either. But it was necessary. And you and I have to be willing as we're going to grow together to look at a brother or sister in Christ and say, hey, I don't think that behavior was godly, or I, don't, I think your life is wandering this way down this path, and I, just, I, I love you so much, I don't care for you so much, I don't want to see you go down that road. And that's born of love and care, and it's not easy, right? Some of us are getting anxious even thinking about me talking about it right now. Like, I don't want to do that, but here's my tips for how you could do that. Two ways, do it lovingly and do it wisely. On the loving part, there are sometimes, and I know you'll think of faces probably when I say this, they lacked a little tactfulness when they share truth. This is one that needs to be bathed in prayer to share truth, but do it in a loving way. And I often say to people, some people come and ask me for counsel and advice. They say, "I, I feel like I need to tell this person this. And I say, what kind of relationship do you have? with them. Do they know that you love them? That changes everything. If they're not sure if you really love them, they might receive that defensively or with hurtfulness. But if they know you love them, I have some friends within this body, they can say lots of things to me because I know they love me and I know they want what's best for me. And you have people, I hope, around you in that same way. But it has to be done through prayer in this loving way and tactfully. And many struggle with that, if you will. And then the wise part is done through the counsel of God's word, praying continually about what the Spirit would share and how you would be faithful to the word in the way you share it. Sometimes we share opinions with others of things we don't think they should do or things they should do, but it has nothing to do with God's word. You want to make sure that it's backed by the authority of God's word. And again, this is tricky in the church, I said it early on in ministry. Someone came at me and said something about an area of my life and I was immediately defensive. But they were willing to do it for my good and for the good of the church. And I feel in many ways as I look back for the good of all the ministry years ahead of me to teach me that lesson that was God's grace in my life. So you do it lovingly and wisely. And then there's one more. You're ready for this. Be willing to receive it, reproof with grace and patience. Be willing to receive it. And this is probably, if you didn't think the first one was hard, this is the harder, right? When someone comes towards you out of love and care, be willing to hear without defensiveness and anger. And our first reaction typically is to get angry. Anybody that's married knows the look, right? When you're you always, and there you are. and Carrie looks at me a lot like that, and she's right to do it, but I know the look like, like we just sang about, it, like a head full of rocks, and at times I'm defensive, and I'm like, well, you, or point out, instead of just being humble, and that's the first tip, two tips, be, do it humbly, that's the first one, when you're willing to receive reproof and correction, do it humbly, kind of like with an attitude of openness, and, and then the second, do it through the lens of the gospel. And here's what I mean by that. Think this way. There's a good possibility that you might be wrong and that you might have sin. That's what I mean through the lens of the gospel, that all have fallen short. A good possibility that when somebody challenges you, you might actually be part of the problem. I'll let that soak in for a second. When I do that humbly and through the lens of the gospel, and it's hard, get, I get it. I have to ask, is it possible I have sin? Like what truth can I draw? And don't be like super righteous about it either. Well, like I'll listen and there's probably 99% garbage, but there's 1% I could listen to. Receive it at first with like, this could be very true and it should be alarming if this is how I'm being. And sort through, let the spirit sort through that for you. But the point is that the repentance and the reproof is necessary in the church. It's going to produce an earnestness. It's going to produce joy, and it's going to produce depth in the church when one to another we are willing to give and receive reproof in the Christian community. Ultimately, for the hope of setting the gospel on display, when people look in, and friends, in our world you'll identify with this, when people look into a community that can speak truth, which is seeming to be out of shortage in our world right now. Truth to one another, to hear it and receive it in love and to be changed by it. If you're not paying attention, that's not happening out in the world. People aren't listening to each other, they're just yelling at each other. The Christian community needs to shine through that and listen with gracious, humble ears and be led towards what? Towards the foot of the cross in repentance and humility. A godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Worldly grief only produces death. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you for you are a God of great love that looked on us in love and by your grace redeemed us in Christ. And Father, when we come to a passage like this, not near giving it as much time as we could have. It's challenging to think about that we should be people in the church willing to say hard truths and receive them for the benefit of walking in righteousness and the benefit ultimately of the attention being off of us individually and on our church community as a whole as it seeks to honor Christ and point towards him. Father, help our church be a light to this community. Of a bunch of diverse people that don't always agree on everything, relationally, maybe see different things, but come to each other out of love and humility and are willing to be a part of each other's sanctification for your glory. And so, Father, I pray for our discipleship communities. Help us to be loving and caring first and foremost, but help us to say hard things and help us to receive them. I know how fearful it is for some to think about going to share hard things with somebody and have hard conversations and how uneasy it is to receive them and to think about that but father that we would be people that know how to do that because of your grace and being led by your spirit it produces something in us and ultimately it deepens our fellowship and it honors you father help us to heed your word as we're about to sing about we need you We need you. Oh, we need you. I pray for the one who has never trusted Christ fully, that they would repent and turn towards you now for the forgiveness of sins. As we sang about earlier, it is only by grace, it's only by faith, and it is only by Christ that we are saved. May you be worshiped and honored. Help us, Lord. We pray these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. Let's stand together and sing this prayer from our hearts. could not think of a better prayer to be uttered through the rest of the day, through the rest of the week, through the rest of our time here on earth. I want to leave you with this from 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 5 in the same way. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Have a blessed day. Go in peace. You are sent.
1: at I.